Well, how many of you are ready to get into the Word of God again today? We want to welcome all those that are joining us online today. It's a blessing to have you with us. We're going to be continuing our series today on revival of love. How many of you have been enjoying this as much as I have been enjoying this series? I am so grateful to be able to deliver such good news to you. So in these last days, in Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, we see that the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the sons are actually going to start turning towards each other. In other words, even though Jesus said in the new covenant that the love in this world is going to grow colder, we are going to see a move of the Holy Spirit in such a tangible way that the hearts of the fathers and the hearts of the sons are actually going to start turning towards each other. How many know we need that in this generation? You know what I'm talking about? I'm not saying anything bad about any of your fathers or your dads or lack of a father in your life, but we understand that in this generation, this has been a big problem, especially in this generation of absentee fathers. So it doesn't say, you know, the hearts of the mothers and the hearts of the daughters and stuff are going to turn towards each other, even though there's room for all of us to improve. The biggest challenge that we see is a major lack of love between a father and a son, and it starts with our heavenly father. And once we can introduce people to our Heavenly Father, then we can bring healing to the nations. We can literally bring healing to relationships of sons and fathers. And some of you might be the example to your own dads. You always wanted your dad to be the perfect example, but maybe God is raising you up to be an example to your dad. Or maybe to be a father, even though you may not be a dad yet, but maybe this world just needs more fathers, father figures, spiritual leaders, spiritual mentors, so that they can have a father in which maybe they didn't have. And maybe you personally know what it feels like. Maybe you didn't have that positive example. So you're making a decision. I'm going to be a change maker. I'm going to make a decision in my, for me and my generation. I'm going to serve the Lord, and I'm going to lead by example and be an amazing father. And that could mean biologically or spiritually speaking. But we do need this great revival of love. And so the first week we talked about how the kingdom of God has got to be first place. Absolutely first place. A marriage that prays together stays together. A marriage that really puts Jesus first, his kingdom first, puts his word first. It will, you will never find just a surviving marriage in that condition. Any relationship that puts Jesus first and foremost puts his kingdom principles before their own desires and wants, will have a thriving marriage and family. A marriage that prays together stays together. A family that prays together stays together. And a church that prays together stays together. Friendships that pray together stay together. So the kingdom of God has got to be first place. And then we talked about how to get answered prayers last week. Did that help anybody? So I've gotten a lot of reports, testimonies coming in of knowing how to pray more effectively to get answered prayer. And if you haven't heard that message, I encourage you to get back to that. But this week, I want to specifically talk about one of the biggest hindrances to revivals of any sort, including a revival of love. One of the biggest hindrances to all revivals is, are you ready? All right, punch your neighbor or do something and say, are you ready? Are you really ready? Do you want to know? Because how many know we need a revival of love? We need a revival where signs, wonders, miracles, and the goodness of God begins to flow through this generation. So once again, how many of you are ready to hear the greatest hindrance? All right, it's simple, but it's profound. It is a lack of gratitude. A lack of thankfulness. So a friend of ours, one time, the Lord spoke to him and said, 
Do you want to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? Talking, you know, the Lord was talking to him. Do you want to learn how to receive, increase the capacity to be able to receive from me? And he said, well, of course, yeah, what, what, what do I need to do? And he said these words, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, then cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Because there is no in-betweens. You're either thankful or you're unthankful. There's not this kind of like uh, in-between stuff. You're either thankful or you're unthankful in life. The choice is ours. We can sit there and look at the doom and gloom. We can look at the mess and we can look at the glass being half empty. But that's not going to do anybody good. And being around that misery doesn't make anybody feel good about being around you. I, I love what Jesus said to me one time. He said, do you want to know the difference between an optimist and a pessimist? And he responded without me even having the thankful even try and think about it. But he said this, one thinks positively and one thinks negatively. One thinks positively, one thinks negatively. The choice is ours, though. We can either think positively or negatively, and based upon God's word, the Bible says to think upon those things that are of a good report, things that are peaceful, things that are uh, holy, things that are lovely, things that are peaceful. We should be thinking on positive reports, and if we think about and we thank God for what we do have and what we do know and what we can do, we'll always stay in the light, but the moment we start thinking about what we don't have and how messed up this world is, and the moment you start feeling like out of control, you're going to stay in the dark. And let me tell you, light quenches darkness, but the moment that you start gravitating, and how many know why the question is, why are we in general more drawn to negativity? I mean, people all around the world love bad news. They like to hear it. And it's because a lack of proper discipline and a lack of the help of the Holy Spirit in their life. We will, I mean, have you ever, let me just be totally transparent with you. Is it hard to be grouchy or complain? It takes no effort at all because there's no resistance from, there's no resistance in that. Have you ever seen Satan tempt anybody, like tempt them like, I just, I tempt you to go to church. I tempt you to read the Bible. Nobody is tempted to go to church. Nobody is tempted to pray. Nobody is tempted to read the Bible. Nobody is tempted to tithe. Nobody is tempted to, uh, to worship. That takes effort. Can I hear an amen? It takes no effort to be like the enemy because he doesn't resist you in that area. And that's why the Bible says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee. So walking in the fruit of the Spirit, love, love, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering, it takes effort. It takes effort to be kind to your neighbor. It takes effort to be serving. It takes effort to be long-suffering. These things don't come naturally unless you are connected to the vine himself. And then you'll bear good fruit. But it's still going to take effort. You're still going to have to resist the enemy to follow God's plan and will for your life. It's like a vacuum, kind of just, if you're not thankful, it just sucks, you know, out what God wants in you and puts in, the, the world tries to put in what it wants in you. That's why it comes so naturally for people to be grouchy or to complain or to get angry. It's, that's just me, I'm just having a bad day, I'm in a bad mood. No, it's a choice. We can learn to let our emotions lead us, which most people in this world do. Today they're great, tomorrow, have you ever, been, have you ever worked for somebody that was just like, today 
It was like, wow, they're so nice. And tomorrow's like, whoa, scary demon here. Like, what's going on? Like, whoa, what is like schizophrenic? What's going on? Like, yesterday you were so nice. How many can say I on that one? You know what I'm talking about? Like a roller coaster. And uh, hopefully our marriages aren't like that. But, you know, so many people just live on their emotions. And you think about, take the E out of emotions, you got what? Motions. We've got to learn how to lead our emotions. So when the Bible says, this is the day that the Lord has made, let us rejoice and be glad in it, that means we're going to have to choose, and then our emotions will eventually follow us. But emotions, if we follow our emotions, our emotions will always evict us from the perfect plan and will of God. That's what that capital E you could stand up for and say, E means evict. Take out the E and you got motions. So it will evict us from the perfect plan and perfect will of God if we let our emotions lead us. Now I'm going to say something really, really profound, really profound. So I'm going to need to say it probably a couple of times today because I think this is so important for you to get this. Are you ready? ready. Now remember, I'm just a messenger from the Lord. It's just, you know, if it's a good message, it's Jesus. If it's not, it's me. So, you know, (laughs) this is from Jesus. This is hot off the press. I have learned in life one can thank their way into the will of God, and one can complain their way out of the will of God. I have learned that one can thank their way into victory, and I have learned that one can complain their way right back into bondage. Which one will we be? The choice is ours. But let me tell you, when you start getting heaven on earth, it is like, oh, wow, I am so glad You know, so many times you you read these different stories in the Bible, and you read about these characters in the Bible, and some of them that just had really great attitudes. You got King David, you got Esther, you got um, Joseph, Abraham. You got some different, different individuals, and they just really had great attitudes. It doesn't mean that they were perfect. And by the end of this message, you're going to be so encouraged because I want you to understand that how revival is going to take place. It's not based upon you being perfect. Not knowing how to, you know, pray perfectly yet is not the hindrance. The biggest hindrance to revivals today is a lack of thanksgiving. It is a major problem. And so you read about these different stories in the Bible and you see great moves of God, God working through people like Moses, for example, who is referred to as the meekest in his generation. In other words, he was the most humble. Everything big starts small. Before we can go up, we've got to learn to go down on our knees. Because pride always tries to get, the moment that God blesses us, think about these characters in the Bible. And you think about like these different story heroes that we read about, heroes in the faith. And then you read about some other people in the Bible and they're like maybe one page. And it's like you read the next page and they're not there anymore. And you read the next page, they're not there anymore. They're like out of the stories. Like, hey, where did such and such go? But these people that we read about today in the Bible, like the Josephs, the Esthers, the Ruths, I mean, these different individuals that we read about Abraham, uh, King David, all these Moses, all these different people had to have kept a good attitude because our attitude of gratitude will always determine our altitude in life. And the moment that God starts blessing people, I have discovered in life that sometimes pride gets in the way. Do you all remember Peter? I mean, Peter has this major revelation from the Father. And Jesus is like, okay, so tell me, tell me, guys, what is everybody saying about me? Who do they say I am? Well, they say John the Baptist, they say the prophet, they say, you know, some amazing teacher, good teacher, and all that stuff. And they, but what, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the son of God. You are the Christ. 
of the living God. And Jesus looks at him and he says, that is right. And on that revelation, on that truth, I will build my church. And Peter just got I'm so blessed and overwhelmed that he heard from the Father. He got so giddy, so excited that I think pride got to his head. Because then the very next thing you see Jesus doing, when Peter, Jesus is telling the truth, he said, okay, guys, I'm going to have to die for all of you. Peter's like, no, you are not going to die for us. He had the audacity to talk to the creator of the universe, Jesus, the son of God, and they say, no, you will not. He's like rebuking Jesus, the master. I have seen this time and time again. When someone gets a little blessed, they get a little bit of platform, they get a pulpit to speak from, and all of a sudden they come back and they kind of start correcting their leader. They start bringing correction. I have seen pride rise up so fast after somebody gets blessed a little bit and they get a little bit arrogant and they start thinking, I can go ahead and correct whoever I want. And they kind of get the superior mentality and they start rebuking their employers. They start rebuking Jesus. <laughs> oh my goodness, the best thing we can do when the blessing of God is on our life or God blesses us in some way is get our face to the carpet as fast as possible and say, God, thank you for your mercy and your love. I know I don't deserve it, but because of Jesus Christ, I receive it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. That's the best thing we can do. Because if you look at the difference here with Moses, he was not only the meekest in his generation, but he was the most used in his generation. If we want to be used by God, we have got to stay humble before God and before those who are in leadership position. We have no right to complain about anything or anyone. How we turn marriages and families around, one of the things, tools we use is actually starting to get them to think about all the qualities they love about their spouse or about their children or about their employer or about their employee. And we tell them, okay, start writing a list of all the qualities of things that you love about that individual. You may look at them as an enemy right now, but if you will do this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, because it has been proven scientifically that even negative thoughts that you have about someone, it can be perceived by that someone. Even when they're in a completely different state, I mean, how many know when you come into the presence of somebody that really, really loves you and believes in you, you can feel their acceptance and their love. Can I hear an eye? You know what I'm talking about. You can tell when somebody believes in you and believes in the best in you. And you feel like, you can, I can thrive in this environment. But you can also walk into somebody's presence and say, man, I, I don't like this guy. I don't like this girl or whatever it is. And you can perceive that, right? I mean, in our words and our actions, love will speak for itself. Whether someone loves us, accepts us. And let me say this. I just feel like I just need to talk about this for just a moment. I love all of our analytical thinkers, and I thank God for all of our analytical thinkers. And we got a lot of them in this church. We have got a lot of analytical thinkers. Analytical thinkers are the ones that sometimes see the problem before anybody else sees the problem. Especially if you're a golden retriever. So if you're a golden retriever, like on the personality test, and you're going to be more relational by nature, and you're more interested in being with that person, but an analytical thinker oftentimes sees that garbage on the ground, and it's not that they're not thinking about the person. They just want the garbage to be picked up so the person's blessed. 
So analytical thinkers can be a tremendous blessing. They can troubleshoot problems and see things in IT and do all sorts of great things. I am so thankful for analytical thinkers. But the problem with analytical thinkers sometimes, if they're not in the word of God and in a relationship with Christ as much as they could be or should be, I'm telling you, they can be some of the most critical people you could ever meet in your life. They're always fault-finding. They're problem-finding. They've got this problem about you. They've got this problem about you. And you seldom ever hear a Song of Solomon experience going on. You know, Solomon and his wife, they're going back and forth, complimenting each other, going back and forth. A lack of appreciation, a lack of thanksgiving is the greatest hindrance to all revivals, including in marriages and families. If you write a list together of even your enemy, your worst enemy, and what you... You know, you can easily, anybody can be a fault finder, amen? Anybody can be a complainer in life. That doesn't, that's not hard. It doesn't take effort to do that. But it does take effort to write down all the qualities that you love about that person or you like about the person. Maybe you don't feel love in your heart yet uh, for that person. But if you keep focusing on the qualities of that person, eventually what's in you out of the abundance of the heart is going to speak. And if you keep putting it in you and keep looking at it, especially when they're irritating you the most, and you keep looking at that list and you keep, Lord, thank you so much that they're this and this and this and this, eventually it's going to come out of your mouth into their life. And they're going to hear you loud and clear instead of them, you know, maybe they're screaming, they're hollering, they're telling you like it is, and they're mean, and they're being cruel. And all of a sudden you come back and you say, you know what I love about you? How many know that a soft answer turns away wrath according to God and his word? We need God and his word. We need him so much. Because anybody can react to someone being mean and be mean right back. But Jesus said, don't repay evil for evil. We've got to stay connected to the vine so we can bear the fruit that Jesus so much wants us to bear. And there are times where we bring correction, but by golly, if you bring correction, you better bring a big sandwich of lots of compliments and appreciation and love that you have in that person before you bring that correction. And while you slip in that little piece of correction, then at the end of it, you package it with a whole bunch of appreciation and compliments. Because if that person walks away and they don't feel like they just walked away feeling love, you did not do a good job communicating with them. And you're not going to create any revival by just being mean. You can share the truth with mercy. If you just share the truth without mercy, it is mean. And if you just share mercy and no truth, it's meaningless. We've got to be iron sharpening iron. I get that. I love our analytical thinkers. But we have got to make sure that we're super grateful. We've got to cultivate a lifestyle thanks to giving. In other words, it's not going to come naturally. We've got to purpose in our heart to develop good communication skills. And if somebody sends you a message and they're just thinking about you, then just send a text back saying, thank you. It's not hard. It takes a little bit of effort. I, not, I was never going to say this, and I, I didn't share it with the first service. Sometimes I'll send a text to people. And just so you know, a lot of times I don't expect a text back. But I'm thinking in my mind, based upon their relationship skills, I think in my mind, does this person have a future with leadership or do they need a lot of grooming yet? Because if I get no response when I send something like, hey, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking about you, here's a scripture for today, and I get no response, no communication is not a good thing. I don't care how spiritual you are, if you don't communicate back to that person and just say, thank you. They might think you're mad at them, and you could give room to the devil to play with their mind all day long. Now, let me tell you, spiritually, I'm, 
I'd like to believe always that I'm above that. But there are times where I struggle sometimes to like, man, I have sent that person so many text messages. I've called them. I've left them voicemails. And they show up and they say something in person like a year later and say, thank you so much for all those text messages that you sent me. It's like, why did you tell me that you appreciated that? You know, like a year ago, I thought you were mad at me. So no matter how spiritual a person can be, listen, it does not take a lot of effort to just say thank you. Thank you when you get a pay raise at work to your boss. Thank you when somebody does something kind for you. Somebody lets you budge into the line in front of them. Thank you. This is a cultivated thing we've got to purpose in our hearts to just say thank you. Let's all practice this. Can we say thank you? Thank you. Colossians chapter 2 verse 7. Is this helping anybody yet? And just, you know, I am not judging anybody. If you're one of those people that haven't responded to some of my text messages or voicemails or my emails or my any communication, um, don't worry about it. I love you. <laughs> Colossians chapter 2, verse 7. Oh, thanks so much. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding. Say abounding. And overflowing, say overflowing, Overflowing. with thanksgiving. With what? With thanksgiving. So we should be abounding and overflowing. That means we should be thankful up and thankful out. Thankful to God and thankful to each other. We should be abounding and overflowing into this world as people who are deeply appreciative and thankful to God and to one another. Anybody can be a critic. Anybody can complain about our leadership. They can complain about their boss. They can complain about their employees. They can complain about their kids. They can complain about their spouse. Anybody can do that. But it takes effort to cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. If you want to meet a humble person, listen to their words. Because you'll hear a true humble person, there will be deep appreciation and gratitude flowing out of their mouth. They will be thankful people because humility, one of the key ways to stay humble is to stay thankful. Don't let pride, arrogance get into that heart. Take some time to appreciate the people around you. Take some time to say thank you to the ones that have impacted your life, that have done something kind for you. Don't ignore them. Just don't, you know, you don't bless anybody by saying nothing. The only way you're going to bless people is when you say something. And in this generation, we have so many platforms that we can express our gratitude. And yet most people in this generation, you know what they're doing? And I'm not talking about anybody here at High Point Church. But what people are doing in this generation, they're taking a hold of that social media platform and they are blasting people. They're blasting their pastors. They're blasting this leader. They're blasting this person. Listen, anybody can be a critic behind the internet. But it takes a real cheerleader, a real godly man and woman to rise up and to say, you know what? A soft answer turns away wrath. You know what? That really upset me. That really offended me. But you know what? I understand a soft answer turns away wrath. And you know what? Also, I understand that love covers a multitude of sin. Instead of pointing and exploiting, listen, if I can get this through to everyone here today, this will be the most important principle. Publicly praise, privately correct. Say that with me. Publicly praise, privately correct. Say it one more time. Publicly praise, privately correct. You know, if I bring correction, and it's not very often, usually Caleb needs to do it with me more than I have to do it with him. But if I bring correction to him, 
I will not do it in front of the rest of the family. Our leaders, our teachers, and our schools need to learn this principle. Your teacher's assistants should be the one that go privately up to the person. If they're misbehaving and they say quietly, especially if it's a boy, because boys need to be admired, but it goes both ways. I think ladies would appreciate it. Rather than being publicly criticized or embarrassed in front of everybody, why couldn't we just go a little extra mile, whisper in their ear, and say, you know what, I see leadership in you. But could you right now sit down because it's distracting a few people? I see a bright future for you. Could you help me and be a hero today? And could you just sit quietly with those kids instead of throwing paper balls and, you know, spitballs at people? I see leadership in you. But could you not do that because it's distracting me? And you do it quietly? You know what? They will feel safe in your presence. Nobody likes to be corrected, but when you do it publicly... They are not going to feel safe. You publicly embarrass your wife or your husband, criticizing them in front of your friends, publicly going on the internet and talking about our whoever is in leadership at the time. Nobody's going to feel safe in your presence. We are not of that world. We may be in this world, but we are not of that world we are to act higher, live at a higher level of living and thinking. We need to be safe and our communication with one another. Romans 1, 21 says, Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Wow. Because of two things. They chose, even though they knew God, they chose, number one, they chose not to glorify him. In other words, they chose not to worship him. And number two, they chose not to be thankful. They chose not to be thankful. They chose not to be thankful. And it goes on to say they acted like animals and they ended up losing their lives as a result. You can thank your way into victory or you can complain your way back into bondage. You can thank your way into the will of God or you can complain your way out of the will of God for your life. We see this in Israel, the first generation. They never got into the promised land except for Joshua and Caleb. But we've got to learn some good, healthy relationship skills with our Father who says in Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5, now, if you want to hang out with me, this is what I need you to do. I need you to come into my gates with thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. And then come into my courts where my heart is with what? Praise. Because praise is a compliment. Thanksgiving is a springboard to your praise. And when you are starting off and you're saying, Lord, thank you. This is the day that you made and I rejoice and I'm glad in it. And I just want to cultivate some thankfulness right now because I've got a lot of reasons. Because if I think about it, even though this world, it may seem really hard right now, there's somebody else that has it worse than I do right now around this world somewhere. And you know what? It's probably very possible they'd have a big smile on their face and they'd be praising God and worshiping God. It's true. Have you ever met somebody like that? Say I. You know what I'm talking about? All of a sudden you thought, oh man, my story is not like theirs. And look, they've got a big smile on their face. They're like enjoying their life. And they've got it so much worse than I do. Your attitude of gratitude will always determine your altitude in life. And the choice is ours. We can be thankful. We can be grateful. Or we can choose to complain. But when we complain, we'll go right back into bondage. Just like Israel did in the first generation. We've got to be choosing 
that when you get married, you prayed for getting married one day. You prayed and you prayed and you prayed, and then you got married, and then you were like, God, I need children. Please give me children. And then he gives you children, and then you're praying, oh, God, give me this job. Give me this job, and he gives you this job. And then you're praying, oh, God, oh, God, I want this leadership position. I want to be in leadership. God, give me this leadership position. Oh, Lord, I want this promotion. And he gives all this to you, and then, Lord, this is so hard. I can't believe they're, they're I mean, they're using, I feel so abused in this relationship. Have you ever met anybody like that? Don't look at the person. Just, you know, if that's you, just keep looking forward at me right now because then nobody will know it's you. But you know what I'm talking about. I feel so used and abused. You prayed for it. You prayed for that leadership. You prayed for that promotion. You prayed for that spouse. Instead of being their biggest critic, stay their biggest cheerleader in life because when someone believes that you believe in them, they can begin to thrive and you'll never see a dying just surviving relationship when there is a major amount of appreciation. How many know that God appreciates our appreciation today? He likes it when his people are thankful. Instead of looking at the lens half empty, start looking at that cup as like, this is half full. I may not be where I want to be, but I'm certainly not where I was. God got me out of uh, the Egyptians' bondage. God got me through that, and he brought that surplus of prosperity. He healed my body. He got me out of that situation. He split the Red Sea for me. He fed me manna. He gave me water out of a rock. I'm telling you, he delivered me from my enemies. He didn't let my clothes wear out. You may not be where you want to be in your promised land, but you're certainly not back there being used and abused by the enemy anymore. You've been delivered from all power and principalities and darkness, and now it's time to give him thanks because you're the son of set free is free indeed and if you just simply start with lord i thank you that i'm not, i skipped hell and i gained heaven for the rest of eternity that should be enough to be thankful for for the rest of eternity amen we can be thankful or we can be unthankful but there is no in-betweens it's our choice and we've got to make the right choice it's my heart and my passion when Moses and Aaron, when they heard the people complaining and murmuring, they knew this was a serious deal in God's eyes. And they ripped their clothes and they fell on their faces and God, forgive, have mercy. They knew how serious this was. They're murmuring, they're complaining. And it was a serious deal. Jesus points out when 10 lepers were healed and only one came back to give him thanks, to give him glory, to give him praise. He's like, weren't there 10 of you? Where's the other nine? God appreciates appreciation. If you want to increase your capacity to receive, become the most thankful, grateful person that you know. Don't let anybody around you be more grateful than you. Choose to take the high road. Choose to be that thankful generation. Choose to be grateful. I'm telling you, parents will jump through hoops for you. I'm telling you, grandparents will jump through hoops for you. Your employer will jump through hoops for you. If they feel valued and appreciated in your presence, if they feel like you're always criticizing them, always complaining about them, if they don't feel safe in your presence, I'm telling you, people don't want to do much at all for you. Don't become that generation. God shows us in the New Testament he shows us these examples so that we don't become another example of the first generation. In Numbers chapter 14, verse 28, I hope this kind of really wakes us up and sobers us up today. God says, after all this complaining that was going on, he says to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you've spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. In other words, okay, that's what you want to say about yourself? You just framed your world with your words, and you're going to get what you want. Because they kept saying, we're going to die out here, we're going to die out here, and they died out there. You're going to get, in fact, let me just say this hypothetically, just hypothetically, just kind of put this out there, just to think about. You don't have to say, yep, right now, just think about it. But maybe the thing that you're complaining about right now, there's a reason why 
Because the last time you were complaining about something, you put things into motion with your words. I'll leave that right there for you to think about. You know, there are times where we need to be open. We need to talk to somebody that we feel safe. Doesn't mean I don't want us to go the extreme opposite, but I do want us to wake up spiritually and understand this is powerful because King David, he didn't go around talking to everybody saying, this is all going on. I mean, it's just going under. It's like, no, he would go on and say, God, these are, he wrote these beautiful Psalms. He said, this is going on right now in my life, but God, say, but God, he would always, almost always finish with, but God sentences and statements, but God is my deliverer, but God is my redeemer, but God is my advocate, but God is my rear guard. We've got to, if you open up and you're at lunch with someone and you feel like you are safe in that person's presence and they're a spiritual leader to you, they're a good example and you feel like they'll really seriously pray for you and you're going through something tough that you know that they're not going to split your marriage apart or whatever it is and you kind of open up and say, you know, my husband and wife, my husband and my wife, whatever it is, we're kind of going through some tough things. Could you keep us in prayer? I do know this. This is, you know, there have been some challenges. But God, finish your statements with these but God statements. Because we've got to get into faith and not into complaining. 116 times the Bible says thanks. 73 of those times it actually says to give thanks. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 through 19, and everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. In other words, if you don't want to quench the revival that's now beginning to manifest, and we are that move, we are that revival. We're not waiting for some move. We are that move. We got the greater one that's in us, and we are the church to this world. So if we don't want to quench that, then be thankful. In everything, give thanks. It doesn't say give thanks for everything that you're going through and all the problems. It says in everything. In other words, I can give thanks because I know God will get me through this situation. In everything, give thanks. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, and I'll say this before we get into that scripture. If you're going through a bad situation right now, you'll make it worse by complaining, just so you know. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, continually earnestly in prayer, being vigilant with thanksgiving. In Psalm 22, verse 3, the Bible says, God inhabits, he enthrones himself in the praises of his people. The Lord said this to me. He said, I dwell in the presence of those who are thankful and those who praise me. That is the answer because how many know in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That sounds like revival, doesn't it? Where the spirit of the Lord is. How many know that negative people have a tendency to gravitate towards negative people? And positive people have a tendency to gravitate towards positive people, don't they? How many know God is no different? He dwells among those who praise him. He inhabits the praises of the people that give him glory, that give him honor, that are thankful, that appreciate him. His presence is stronger in some people's life than in other people's life. Can I hear an amen? Some churches have more of the presence of God than other churches. Can I hear an amen? And this is the reason right here. Lack of appreciation, gratitude, or thanksgiving, or much gratitude and appreciation and thanksgiving. What church will we be? Because when we go out into the mission field today, we can be a thankful, grateful generation that's always saying thank you to this, thank you for that. Man, man, I, we hope this goes on the, because those first service people, they didn't get this part about saying thank you, you know. They probably really needed to hear this message today. So you guys are the blessed ones. God's giving you like more grace in this service. I'm going to give you three quick ways right now of how to cultivate a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. Are you ready? Say ready. 
Number one, recognize and remember something valuable, something that God has done. Remember and recognize it. In Psalm 78, verse 40 through 42, it says, How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. They did not remember his power the day when he redeemed them from their enemy. How many know that in Deuteronomy 8, 18, it says, Make sure you remember the one that gave you the power to get wealth in the first place. The only reason we can think, the only reason we can have a job, the only reason we can do anything is because God, first of all, he gave us a breath. He gave us a heart that beats. He gave us a mind that can think. And the more we renew our mind according to God and God's word, we can go places with him. Secondly, be grateful. Be grateful for it in your heart. Think about it frequently. And again, what Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. So if you're sitting there thinking about something, someone, remembering, recognizing something that God has done or somebody's done for you, that's eventually, if you keep thinking about it, all of a sudden you're going to be like, man, i got to text that person right now and say thank you so much. I need to text that, you know, i gotta, I got to call this person. i got to call this, my mom, my dad. You might have had strife. You might have had division. You might have had issues going on. But you sit there and think about it and you keep being grateful for it. Before you know it, you're going to say, you know what? Thank you for having me because I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. You know, we can get better in life or we can get bitter in life based upon the way we look at life. Life is all about perspective. And number three, express it. Say it. Tell it. Tell somebody. Thank them for it. If it's in the heart, it's going to eventually come out. So that one will come out more naturally. It will come out. Jesus shows us the power of thanksgiving. When he broke the bread and gave the fish, he distributed it, but he gave thanks, didn't he? Before you raise Lazarus from the dead, before all great miracle signs and wonders take place, there really is this demonstration of gratitude and appreciation because in the presence of God, there is freedom, there is healing, there is manifestations of his presence. And we can have heaven here on earth and the power of thanksgiving. Jesus showed us this. King Jehoshaphat, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. He sent all the worship team to give God praise, to give him thanks when they were being attacked by three different nations. And they got so confused. The nations that were trying to destroy them got so confused that they ended up destroying themselves. Paul and Silas, when they're in prison, when they're in jail, what did they do? They gave thanks and they gave praise to the Lord. They prayed and then they gave thanks. They gave praise. In the jail cells, you know the story. It's phenomenal. Signs, wonders, and miracles, because in the presence of God, you will have freedom. You will experience miracles, signs, and wonders. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge into every place. Say always. always. Not sometimes, always. I kind of feel like I need to say this because I, I keep thinking that somebody's thinking, oh, man, I forgot to pa uh, text Pastor Sean. <laughs> That's okay. I am not quick to offense. I know your hearts. And a lot of times we get busy. We got a lot of things going on. If you send me a text a year later, I don't care. Saying, oh, you know what? I forgot to send this text and respond to your text message or your phone call or whatever it is. Thank you so much. I don't care when it comes. I just want to make sure that we're cultivating a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Don't, don't miss what I'm trying to share with you. The fruit will come. The heart is right towards God and towards each other. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. So that means there's going to be times in life where we just don't feel like giving praise to God. Amen? That's why it's called a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips. That means verbally expressing it, giving thanks to his name. 
I'm going to close with this story because this is why this whole series was birthed in the first place. Because I want to encourage your hearts to let you know you don't have to be perfect to experience a revival of God. You don't have to know how to pray super powerfully prayers to be super effective like, man, they are so further ahead. There's no way God could ever do anything through my life. No, it's not true. Yes, we want to keep growing. We want to keep getting equipped. You know, we want to keep, you know, developing, becoming more skillful in God's word. But God's greatest moves and revivals aren't taking place because of people being perfect. Revivals aren't stopped because of imperfections. Revivals aren't stopped because of you not being perfect enough or not, you know, knowing how to pray perfectly. Revivals continue on when there is an attitude of gratitude and appreciation and thanksgiving. I'll close with this story because this is really important. This is one of the most powerful points that you'll ever hear in your life because it's something the Lord has shown me just a few weeks ago. And this is the heart of the message why this started. But a few weeks ago, as we wrap this up, a few weeks ago, I had an encounter. The Lord gave me a special encounter that he allowed me to see a couple that I know that are an elderly couple that I know have not lived a perfect life. And yet the closer the Lord allowed me to get to them, the presence of God was so thick on their lives that I literally could experience miracles on the inside. I can't even begin to describe it, but I could sense healing and everything else manifesting on the inside of me. And so this is like a dream, but it seems so real to me. So this is why this was birthed, this whole series was birthed in the first place. The closer I got to them, the stronger the presence got. And then the Lord allowed me to hear their conversations. Do you know what it sounded like? Hey, and they're talking back and forth with each other. I just want to thank God for this. And the other one said, you know, now I want to thank God for this. And I want to thank God for this. And I want to thank God for this. And I want to thank God for you. I'm so thankful for you. And I'm so thankful for you. It went back and forth like this. God dwells in the presence of those who are thankful and those who praise him. If you want to experience revival in your marriages, in your families, in your relationships, in your calling, this is the key. This is what we're looking for is the presence of God. He doesn't expect us to be perfect. He just simply expects us to have a heart that is right towards him. That's thankful. That's grateful. Second Chronicles 16, verse 9, it says, For Jehovah, his eyes go to and fro in all the earth to show himself strong for a people whose heart is perfect or committed or loyal to him. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, God doesn't look at outward appearance. What he looks at is the heart. God's looking at your heart. What is your heart full of today? Is it thankful? Or is it unthankful? The choice is yours, but Jesus said it best. Out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will speak. If you're a grateful, thankful person, it will come out. Can I hear an amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Thank you for being great listeners. Thank you for joining us today. We want to take a moment and pray with you, and we'll be dismissing shortly. Father, thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for ministering to us. And Lord, it is such a joy, such an honor to get into your word each and every single week. Thank you for changing our lives. There's so much we can be grateful for. There's so much that we can be thankful for. Lord, we're thankful for our salvations. We're thankful for this beautiful church that you've blessed us with. Thank you for this wonderful sanctuary, wonderful musicians that you've surrounded us with. Thank you for all the quality and equipment and things, our children's rooms, God, the cafe, God, the welcome home room, the kitchen, the game room upstairs. Lord, we've got so much we're so thankful for. And this has all happened in just a short period of time. And we just want to say thank you for how far you've brought us. And yet we know that in your word it says the latter days of your church will be better than its former days. So thank you for bringing us far as we are. 
You've been so good to us. And we just want to acknowledge even Jesus right now, what you did for us, if that was the only thing we could think of as our salvation, that's enough to be grateful for for the rest of eternity. And we want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for helping us to fill our hearts with thankfulness because there's enough to be thankful for to keep us grateful for the rest of eternity. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus and you're saying, I want to do that. I want to make that decision. I want to make that quality choice to receive Christ. Maybe on a scale one to five, you're not where you used to be in your relationship with the Lord. You used to be passionate. You used to be on fire for God. You used to be reading the word and, and so grateful for him. And now you're more like a one, two, maybe a three, but you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord. There's a lot for me to be grateful for. If that's you, whether it's a first-time decision or you want to recommit your heart to the Lord with every head bowed and every eye closed, if, that you, if that's you, would you just slip up your hands all over this room, just acknowledge, and I want to receive Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord. Thank you so much. I know it takes a lot of courage to do this. Thank you for all your hands. Anyone else here saying, Pastor, pray for me too. Just a moment longer, anyone else? Okay, let's do this. Let's put a hand on our heart. Let's pray this prayer. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's make that decision. Let's call on Jesus' name together right now. Would you pray this out loud? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap, would you? Let him know how much you appreciate him today.